Hello, everybody. It's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Hey. And today we are returning to the books. Uh, no detective stories this time. Uh, Unless the, the detection is to find a fucking plot. Oh, we know the fucking plot. Uh, no, we are going back to the classic world of Greyhawk. Uh, that setting from the world's most popular fantasy game. In particular... That particular setting isn't part of the world's most popular fantasy game because they buried it. (laughs) Um, It was the default setting for 3rd edition. Yes, but that was before it was the world's most popular fantasy game. Now that it is the world's most popular fantasy game, copyright, trademark... Greyhawk isn't there. There's no Greyhawk. There's nothing. It's it's Forgotten Realms. Forgotten Realms and like all like weird magic, the gathering things and Critical Role and shit like that. And Ravenloft. They 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 did Ravenloft source book and um, the the Mecco people, whatever that one was. Um, Eberron. Eberron. Yeah. But no Greyhawk, so I don't consider it part of of D D canon right now. Not Wizards of the Coast Fifth Edition canon. Even the um the the one that had all of the reprints in it, uh, the Yawning Portal, mm-hmm. put them all in uh, in the Forgotten Realms. Mm. That's right, because the day in of the yawning portal or whatever it's called is in the city of Waterdeep. Yep. Um, but why don't we tell everybody what we're actually talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and that is uh, the novelization about the D and D tie in novel Tomb of Horrors. Uh, yes, go ahead and give us the statistics on this book here, Steve. Okay, so there, this was part of a series of Greyhawk books that Wizards of the Coast put out shortly after they bought out, however you want to describe it, um, TSR. Right. And the IPs became theirs. Um, this is written by Keith Francis Strom. And it's his one and only book in this series. Um, but it looks like they took a bunch of the classic, uh, late seventies, early eighties tournament, um, modules and novelized them. I mean, you have against the giants, white plume mountain, descent in the depths of the earth, temple of elemental evil, queen of the demon web pits, keep on the borderlands. And of course the two of course. Right. So, right. It was all the beloved uh, modules. Mm-hmm. So, no. so this would be a essentially a tie-in novel for late second, early third edition. Um, no, I think so. This was actually published in the mighty year of fuck two thousand two. All right, so that'd been three point five. Yeah, so I, I don't think it had... Well, Tomb of Horrors has had, apparently, some iteration or another in every uh, edition of D&D. Maybe not fourth, but every other one. There's been either a reprint of the Tomb of Horrors or a return to the Tomb of Horrors. Well, I, I would say... second edition. Right, I would say that, you know, with, like, the Caves of Chaos and Keep in the Borderlands, um, and then... Fucking uh, Temple of Elemental Evil, Tomb of Horrors is up there, like in the top five of dun- classic yeah. dungeon crawls of all time. Well, if so, the original Tomb of Horrors was what, 1978, 77, 78? Something like and that. We're still talking about Tomb of Horrors today. Right. <laughs> As a community, not just you and me, but. You know, every every six months or so, somebody will post an article about how shitty Tomb of is and what a cruel thing to do to players to make them 
suffer through, you know, this fun dungeon. <laughs> right. <laughs> While all the Call of Cthulhu keepers go, hold my beer. <laughs> Tomb so. of Horrors? Yeah, I could run that in Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> That so, would be that would be an interesting experiment is to actually like run Tomb of Horrors in Call of Cthulhu. And now I'm saying hold my bear. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So this is the novelization. I don't know what the motivation for putting these out was. I think it was to kind of just make more money, uh, make money from Wizards of the Coast um, uh, from their new IPs to be honest with you yeah probably you know hey let's uh let's get this fiction line going you know it might have been uh, it, in the stack of fiction that was going to be released yeah i mean if you look at the ones that that they decided to do they were fairly popular modules that everyone's heard of mm-hmm. right um you don't see the q series on here oh yeah you do queen of the demon white pits my fault which is the uh, Salt Marsh one? Uh, I don't remember yeah, the exactly. module number. Yeah, exactly. But I could tell you what the module numbers are for all of these. The Giants were G. White Plume Mountain was S. The, Sent- the Depths of the Earth was D. Temple of Elemental Evil was T. Queen of the Demon Web Pits was Q. Keep on the Borderlands was B. And Two of Horrors was S as well. So. I'm just saying that these are popular dungeons. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Now, before we even get into the actual book itself, I think we need to put this disclaimer in here that if you are planning on playing in the Tomb of Horrors anytime soon or anytime, uh, anytime really, you cannot read this book until after you've played Tomb of Horrors. Yeah, and A and B, don't listen to the podcast, because we're probably going to end up spoiling shit. Right, well, I mean, <laughs> we do we do have a playthrough available on the website. Thank, Michael- you, thank you very much for listening up to this point. We understand that if you, if you decide to stop listening from here, it's because you want to experience Tomb of Horrors for yourself, and then we do appreciate the download, and really that's all we care. Thank you, Mr. Detweiler. <laughs> wow. Steve, yeah, no. I'm trying to be funny and you're like fucking kicking me in the balls. Okay, okay. I retract that one and, and, and raise it to the John Carpenter. Okay. Thank you for the check, Carpenter. Well, we don't get paid for this. But yeah, it, oh. do, do not read this book. Do not. Uh, continue past this point if you're planning on playing Tomb of Horrors. Um, if if you want metagame knowledge, I would uh, recommend going to microphonesofmadness.com and listening to our wacky playthrough of Tomb of Horrors, uh, which yeah. we had one survivor. We did, and through no fault of their own. Um, and we also did uh, an episode of discussion centered around the module itself. Right. Which I have not put up on the website yet, but it is available on the podcast feed, mnh. But Rodney will Bobby. put links to all that shit in the... Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. ...notes to this. So, there you go. Yep. Steve doing my job for me. All right, so... Where does one start with such a work of brilliant fantasy? Um, I was going to give my elevator review as Tomb of Mediocrity. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yes. For shits and giggles, I'm going to take the pro-novelization approach to this so we can have a discussion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> Elsa will just do 30 minutes of just riffing on how bad this book is yeah uh, so alright so there's definitely good things about this and bad things about this mm-hmm. um, I actually it, I was 
pleasantly surprised when I read this because I was really expecting Drek. Mm-hmm. Um, I was expecting, yeah, just if you play Tomb of Horrors, uh, there's no plot of to- in Tomb of Horrors. Right. It's just a murderous dungeon crawl from even before you get in there mm-hmm. <laughs> throughout the whole thing. And um, I actually thought it was just going to be like a room by room trap fest. Right. Um, right. And kudos to, to, um, to what's his fuck Strom for tacking a plot onto this thing. Not a very strong one, mm-hmm. but it does, it does its job, mm-hmm. right? It gets you invested somewhat in the characters. So you kind of um, are following them and kind of care what happens to people. Because if it wasn't for that, it would be horrible. It'd be a horrible book. Right, right. But because he takes a little bit too much time uh, setting things up, uh, by the time you get to the actual Tomb of Horrors... And we'll get to this because that's one of my major complaints. Um, you're invested in these characters enough that you want to see what's going on. So you, so you have that going for it. And B, if you've played it or run it, and I've run it a couple of times um, over the years, that it's kind of like um, watching a rerun. <laughs> it is. Of a, of a television show because... They like hit like the the major spots, not everything. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be so there's going to be areas in um, the actual module that you may or may not have gotten to that aren't in this book. Mm-hmm. But they hit the highlights. <laughs> yeah, they 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 do hit the highlights. They hit uh, pretty much all the famous rooms. Uh, yeah. in in here, uh, in one way or another, right. And and truth be told, the the Tomb of Horrors itself, despite the title of the book, uh, only takes up what like maybe three four it's a, chapters. The last, it's the last, last third. third of the book. Yeah, yeah. It's um. It's that's kind of disappointing uh, because I kind of wanted the Tomb of Horrors, and I don't think that it was written well enough to have two thirds of the book be plot development. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that there was plot development. Don't right. get me wrong. Just um, a little bit too much. There didn't need to be three acts in in this story. Right. right. Yeah. I, I, and, I. You know. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of a campaign journal for uh, Cares player. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it. No. You. You. You're. You're right there. So. If there was an ca- ongoing campaign with these characters mm. in it, um, and this is what brought them to the Tomb of Horrors, and and we were we were involved in that, you know, running that and playing through that, it would be kind of a cool campaign because you do have like a lot of really decent D and D ish fantasy tropes in there, right? Right. The unfortunate thing is, like, the can says to a horse. <laughs> and I really don't care about slogging through the swamp uh, fighting off Bollywogs. Yep, yep. Um, you know, if, if if it wasn't supposed to culminate with the crawl through the Tomb of Horrors, and it was just basically the two, the good party and the evil party racing to secure an artifact... Uh, I might have had a better time with it. Yeah, if they had just called it, um, what the hell was his name? The Adventures of Carrion. Right. Carrion's <laughs> or, Redemption. Or, yeah, Carrion the Paladin, or whatever. You know, or or Road Buddies, Carrion and his elf sidekick. Garrowin. Garrowin, right? And their adventures in Southern Greyhawk. Yep. All right, so... What, so let's talk about the, the a little bit about the cast of characters here. I mean, you do have a lot of your basic fantasy tropes. The only thing missing is a drunken dwarf. That is true. And there a halfling thief. Drunken. 
<laughs> yes, there's no. Well, there are thieves, but they aren't part of the party. So right, and they're not halflings. <laughs> no, they're not. You have the half elf bard. Yep, the saucy, oh. flaming hot redhead. Yes, the uh, human pal, ex paladin, fallen paladin. I don't know what they call them in first edition. Um, I think yeah, I think <laughs> they, if you lose your paladin abilities, you're just a fighter. Ex-Paladin, now fighter. Elf Ranger. Yep. Uh, Basically Legolas. Yeah. You gotta admit, the one thing that was kind of funny was uh, when he takes off his his, uh, ring. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He has this ring that uh, protects him from extremes of weather. Right. Protection from elements or something like that. He takes it off in the dungeon because there's like a number of places in Jungle Horrors where, you know, you need to insert a ring into a slot. So he does this and uh, Carrion's like, you fuck. Uh, This whole time I thought it was like Elven Fortitude. Yeah, I thought you were a badass. Motherfucker, you got a magic ring. That was pretty funny. That. That was funny. So you have these these uh the Carrion and Galador or whatever the fuck his elf name is. Mm-hmm. Um are our road buddies, right? They, right? they hire themselves out to whoever can afford to pay them um to guard caravans, blah blah blah. Yeah, they're adventurers. And they are on the run <laughs> from from their last botched um um, adventure, right. where they they figured out this kind of would have been a cool book too. They figured out that their patron was an asshole, so they ripped him off and redistributed it as well. Exactly, exactly, and 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 yeah, I mean, and you can tell these guys have been together for a while. They have a really easy. They they jibe each other a lot. They they are basically PCs. Right. Who, who have been yeah. playing together, you know, wh- whose players have been at the table together for a very long time. Right. And they end up getting hired by the, the nobles of town. Ner- Nerwand or something like that. Yes, of my, town. My, exactly. Right. My, uh, my Greyhawk geography is kind of shit, and I don't have my uh, gazetteer handy. All right. So we'll get into that as well, because that's actually kind of cool. Remind me of that. So they, they get hired by the nobles of town to uh, lead an expedition to the Tomb of Horrors to get the treasure from the tomb back or back to town so that they can uh, pay off their debts and reclaim their greatness. Right. Meanwhile, an evil cleric has assembled a party of his own to uh, retrieve an artifact of power from Acerarach's tomb, the titular Tomb of Horrors, to bring about the end of the fucking world. Right. And I was rooting for the evil party because... Because there's monks in the party. Exactly. There's monks in the party. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the monk class... uh, Now, granted, I'm not extremely well-versed in D&D literature if you can call it such a thing <laughs> but the monk class is generally not very well represented you have lots of fighters lots of rangers magic users and clerics out the ass and of course elves. you have to have thieves tons of elves right elf here elf there everywhere an elf elf on the dwarf that drinks a lot and chops things up with an ox. But there are not a lot of monks. Monks aren't a very popular class in D and D. Well, it, you know, if you if you trust the the internet, where all I see is people complaining about monks, monks and rangers. They complain about, but people play rangers. Yeah, I, I happen to like both classes. Um, I would say my top three are are thief. Slash rogue, ranger, and monk. And I know your number one class is monk. I love me some monk. 
Yes. So, like, is ladies and gentlemen, let me just let me just put this into perspective. It doesn't matter what edition or or style of a fantasy slash D and D derivative it is. As soon as you say, "Hey, let's play this," dibs on monk. The monk is the the equivalent of the dog in Monopoly. <laughs> the shoe. I want to be the shoe. <laughs> That's okay. I wanted to be the top hat anyway. All right. So, you know, I don't like spell casting. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't really appeal to me. Um, So I like like, uh, a martial kind of character. And I just, you know, monks are cool because they're quick and fast. And they could, you know, uh, they can go anywhere and kind of take the battle anywhere. I like that. And at a certain point in a monk's career, their hands, their bare fucking hands are magical weapons. That's true as well. Not even a a paladin lays on hands to heal people. Monks lay on hands to hurt people. Yes. (laughs) There's a scene here where where, uh, the monk almost, almost rips out um, Karen's trachea. Right. (laughs) It's pretty goddamn funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that monk is a badass, and and that monk is a badass. And another and he thing was an is, evil monk. yeah, he was an evil monk. Uh, even his monk apprentice was a badass. Yes. Um, you know the funny his thing ro- is, Robin. the The funny thing is, is that uh, if you are well enough versed in uh, the the class charts, you can almost figure out what level everyone is. I didn't get that deep into the read. <laughs> well, I mean, for example, we know that um, the evil monk, uh, the apprentice monk was high enough level that he could deflect arrows. Yes. And, you know, the the master, of course, even better at it, are you going to make me look this up? No, I'm not going to make you look it up unless you want to. Um, Keep on talking. Now, we also have a wizard who apparently is so fucking high level, they prepare every single spell that ever existed. <laughs> and never runs out of And of never spells. runs out of spell slots. Um, you know, I, I've never... There's a couple in there I've never seen before. Like uh, creating a stone cover over a pit trap, you know, uh, trans was, transmute uh, air to stone. Maybe it was Ernie Guy Guys Junior.'s hand of tensor's floating disc, <laughs> tensor's floating block of concrete. <laughs> okay, here we go. I have the monk stat block. Of course you do. Uh, from first edition. Mm-hmm. Um, heal damage. Um, oh, that's interesting. What's that? It's not something that you can just easily look at because it's in the old player's handbook. Ah. <laughs> well, really, you probably should be looking at second edition anyway. Oh, that's true. Because I imagine uh, that this book was actually written during the time of second edition, uh, as the bard class um, uses uses a different kind of spells, and is also the uh, combination magic user thief character who has wizard spells and thief abilities. And also, the monk has is is kind of that that. Uh, first second edition uh thief subclass that it originally was right yeah they can do a bunch of thieves things Mm -hmm. so you know and that's that's interesting to see you know particularly for a year 2002 publication but it's also a little bit of nostalgia you know reading through it because you know that um you know, this is not the current setting. This is it's it's familiar and alien at the same time, and also nostalgic. 
I think there's, it's heavy nostalgia. I mean, like I never really played in Greyhawk, mm-hmm. but it has that feel. Um, and maybe it's because of what the, the character classes are capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that that it um, that it feels that way. Um, even even like the uh, the deities that are mentioned and the places that are mentioned mm-hmm. um, and that they go through are like actual like Greyhawk things. It's not like he pulled names out of his ass. He pulled it out of somebody else's ass. Right, right. This is like, they talk about the Flaness and the fact that there are like regional languages and things like that. A lot, a lot of things that were specific to Greyhawk itself. Um, right. So, yeah, so it does definitely have, like, it does a really good job of evoking that old D&D feel. Mm-hmm. Um, even even like the it's not as bombastically majestic as present day d d is yeah the Forgotten Realms yeah Forgotten Realms really does have that kind of Tolkien-esque epic fantasy type of thing um, where you are marching through and you might see like a giant statue from the third age of elven kind or something like that. But, but Greyhawk is kind of like a lived in, uh, medieval Europe. Yeah. Greyhawk definitely is more grounded. If if you could say that about, uh, you know, a fantasy setting, Mm -hmm. uh, it it feels more, it feels more open. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and and malleable, but you know you know your Greyhawk may vary, um, and and almost easier to deal with, even though it's older. Well, is it even older than? I mean, obviously it's older, but has it been used more than the Forgotten Realms? Ooh, because that's forgot- that's hard to say. Because, like, now that the Forgotten Realms have been going on for a long-ass time since, like, what, the, the 90s, the mid-90s? Uh, maybe late 80s, something like that. Yeah, um, and then Greyhawk kind of, like, got the boot. It really did. It got the boot with uh, with 4th edition. Uh, it became became the official setting, and and even in 3rd edition, they, they released a huge Forgotten Realms source book. Yeah. And of course, uh, wizards continued to publish the Forgotten Realms novels, the you know the Salvatore Salvatore series, which books. I can only assume are are written better than this. Um, you know, for for what it's worth, I I actually did enjoy like the Icewind Dale trilogy, um, and and the uh, Dark Elf trilogy. Those and and those really kind of took you to places you didn't see much in uh, fantasy literature. I mean, Icewind Dale is like the Frozen North. Um, and, and of course, the Dark Elf trilogy was set mostly in the Underdark. And, you know, um, those are... McKenzie. What's that? Uh, Icewind Dale. It's like, take off, eh? <laughs> yeah. Come to the Forgotten Realms Canada, eh? Have yourself a syrup. <laughs> My apologies to our Canadian listeners. Take off, eh? Both of you. Hi, Lehman. <laughs> All right. Back to uh, the Tomb of, of Horrors. Right. Now, we did mention that the third... Uh, arc of this book or the third act of this book takes place in the Tomb of Horrors the second act of this book is the obligatory hex crawl yes yeah we're kind of working backwards here (laughs) but uh, yeah you have you have a hex crawl and by itself the hex crawl was kind of interesting because you got to see the party kind of interact um, just for the fact of them having to work together to just survive the fucking hex crawl right well it also it served to to give you background um on characters especially on um on a uh, jesus christ carowin 
Carowin, thank or you. Carry on, carry on. Carrion. It's Garwin and carry on. Carrion. Something like that. <laughs> Whatever. You got to, to get a little bit of his background. And so you, you kind of get to see where he's coming from. Um, you know, it's hinted at that he was a paladin. Something happened. You find out what that is. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Well, yeah, I don't, we don't want to talk about the specifics of it. But, I mean, by that point, you know, by the point they leave the fucking frozen plane, you know, we're like, we get it, dude. You're fucking Michael Stipe. You're in the corner. You're in the spotlight. Yes. We get it. Yes. And then, and then by the time you get to the climax of the Tomb of Horror section, we're like, we get it. You're into the redhead. Right. Yeah. So, so they do. It's like little plot things that try and make it a more manageable book than just a dungeon crawl. Right. And, you know. Are they interesting? Yeah, I guess like his background's kind of interesting, but is it necessary for the book? Not really. Uh, just for just for the ending, really. Yep it's a, it's all um, just a build up to the climax. Um, is the is the love interest interesting? Uh, less so in terms of reading the book, more so in terms of how the whole thing ends. Right. Well, I mean. The love interest as a character is interesting. Like, I would read an, a, a, an adventure centered around her. I mean, she's le- made oh, several yeah, no, comments no, no, no. that meant, she's... Their yeah. relationship, not, not her. Oh, yeah. Their relationship was, was trash. The most, in- the most interesting character of all of them was probably her. Right, right. And she was the secondary point of view character, really. Yes. Uh, we did get to spend a lot of time inside her head and and how she perceived everyone. Um, the cleric, I mean, this is pretty par for the course. The cleric of the group got no love. Nasty old motherfucker. Yeah. Rigid, strict, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, hints of the magic user who's funding this expedition and starting this expedition. Uh, you get to kind of like... You know, we once was a great man or or he well, he kind of still is a great man. But, you know, his more youthful adventures, you know, because he's he's kind of for an old man. He's kind of the same kind of smart ass. I mean, you kind of see that that all of the professional adventurers, everybody that's got experience on the road, all of them are kind of smart asses. And it seems to be like the defining trait of the professional adventurer. Is that, right. you know, you kind of laugh at the face of danger. Uh, your camaraderie, you know, consists of insulting each other. You know, there's points yes, where the you main... very shallow relationships with your, with your co-adventurers. <laughs> Even if, like the, the bosom buddies, like they're... Ma, know, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's necessarily shallow. It's... It's indicative of a, of an unspoken bond that has been forged through adversity. Okay, yeah. call it that. Yeah. <laughs> if you you could be generous and call it. That. And and it's it's also kind of makes it feel like yeah these are these are characters that have been played by people I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> be, just because. Well, um, you know that the, they have banter in character that's very similar to pretty much every party I've been in. Yeah, right. It, no, you, you're you're co- completely right. It's it's a D and D book, mm-hmm. and and you know, getting a little overly critical about the, the uh, depth of the relationships between player characters is, is probably going overboard. Right. Well, maybe. But, I mean, you know, anything worth analyzing is worth overanalyzing. Okay, that's true. All right, so all that, like, preliminary Chazarai aside, the last third of the book, the actual Tomb of Horrors, the the, the reason you picked it up in the first place, because, you know, let's face it, the first two sections are you know a dime a dozen fantasy books right mm-hmm. and people and people do it better 
Right, right. You have the right. meet cute I, and the walking simulator. Right. Uh, you can read like two Conan stories and know exactly what's going on. Right. So yep. you read Tower of the Elephant and uh, and Hour of the Dragon. There you go. Boom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've read the first two. That, that that takes care of the first two sections. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean. You know, walking simulator is pretty standard. I mean, you got to spice it up. Bandits, monster, something. Pollywogs. Weather's terrible. Yeah. So the Tomb of Horrors itself. Betrayed my God. (laughs) Yep. All right. I, this is really what I wanted to read. Right. I, I, you know, I picked up a book called The Tomb of Horrors. I want to read about The Tomb of Horrors and really compare what this guy's take to is um, in comparison to what we did and what I do whenever I run it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what'd you think? Um, now, I mentioned at the very beginning uh, that that do not read this book if you're going to play because it is kind of like those prima strategy guides you got in the 90s, early 2000s. (laughs) Um, And and that stood out to me because in our run through, and I've only been through the Tomb of Horrors once. And so it was just like, hmm, I, I did not think of that. It was a lot less attrition. There was a lot less attrition. uh, Because they had NPCs up the wazoo. Right, right. They had stacks and stacks and stacks of NPC retainers. So it wasn't Carrion who was um, opening up the spoiler alert. (laughs) It was Biff, the guard. Right. I was like, Biffos, the guard. No, Frank, no! I, no! I knew him. I knew him. I We played poker during the hex crawl. <laughs> so, a lot of the traps are triggered by nobodies. Right. And I think that kind of takes, takes away from the charm, if you will, of the Tomb of Horrors, where you, you know... If if you were playing this as as an AD and D module, everyone would have three char- three or four characters that they'd be running through it, right? right? It would be like a uh, dungeon crawl classics uh, character funnel, mm-hmm. but for high level characters, right? You just have like four or five guys that you'd run through it, and and you know there's not a lot of fighting involved, right? No, there's there's really in like the actual module there's only a few encounters that are combat encounters Mm -hmm. so and i think i think uh that he went through all of them yeah so logistically you can't no he did not uh so you guys encountered this but they didn't uh, if you in the room of the pillars where you touch a pillar and you float toward mm-hmm. a sphere of annihilation, right? Um, there's doors in the back of that room that lead into chambers with um, swords and shields on the wall. Oh yeah, I remember those guys. Pain in the ass. Yeah, that they didn't open because it's like a side room. They Why, almost got know, Matt. Too. They almost got Matt. Yeah. That, so. There's that, but it, honestly, if you're running this like in in first edition, there you'd have a ton of characters, player characters, uh, because you you don't have to deal with like the sh- the slog of combat. Mm-hmm. Not a lot when it happens. Yeah, it's there, but it happens so so briefly and infrequently that it, you might as well be each carrying five characters to get to the end. It's like that scene in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where they're at the, the mouth of the cave that holds the, the Holy Grail and they have to go through the three challenges and the guy's like walking through with his sword and he's looking around mm-hmm. and there's bodies everywhere. 
that's mm-hmm. that's kind of how how this this section is written. Um, they they would lose every major uh, point of interest. They would lose one or two guards, um, right? Because the cleric was not high enough level to have purchased the resurrection spell. Right, that is true. Well, also the cleric, the cleric bit it pretty early too. Mm. Yeah, he he bit it in the uh, the gargoyle battle, I believe it was. Yeah, which is like which I think they made that one a little bit more difficult, maybe than it, well, you it guys was didn't for fight us. The gargoyle, you oh. guys didn't fight the gargoyle. Oh, I thought we fought the gargoyle. I don't think you fought the gargoyle. Maybe you did. Well, they also had um, a ringer when they were fighting the gargoyle, so they were betrayed. Yes. Oh, but also, do you you know do you waste your resurrection spell on an NPC, right? On a guard? I mean, not not to not to be too gamery in this, but. You know, right. that's a high level spell. You're only casting it once. That's true. That's true. And and you know why didn't you use your cure serious wounds on yourself, motherfucker? Yeah. Or why? I mean, he could have gotten a, a healing potion. Right. Right. He's like, no. He was being stingy with them. No, save it for when you need it. And he never took another fucking healing potion the rest of the adventure. I know. <laughs> It was, it was, that was great. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where the, that was definitely an NPC, uh, because, yeah, it, he had to die a dramatic death. Yes. <laughs> he, he was, yeah, he was a higher level NPC. He was probably more of a, um, an NPC that if your player dies, oh, you can play the cleric. Yeah. A substitute. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. If if Garwin's player dies, oh, you lose your ranger. Okay, here, play the cleric. Here, play the cleric. He's already there. We don't have to like, you know. How did you get locked into a box in the middle of this guy's bedroom? If you listen to our run through, you realize that we didn't give a shit about that. Right. <laughs> right. We had characters. They were there the whole time. That's that's what it was. They were the NPCs right. in the background and they got to take center stage when that player showed up. Right. <laughs> okay. I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Ant-Man was in the Avengers the whole time. <laughs> kind of thing. You just couldn't see him. Now, what I was not impressed about is that the the most infamous room, I guess, mm-hmm. in the dungeon was not directly acted through. Uh, it was observed by the evil characters. Right. And nobody went through the goddamn archway. Nope. Nope. That's like the the most fun thing in this dungeon. All right, so I'm assuming that if you're if you're still with us, you've either played this, ran it, or don't give a shit. In this room, it's a chapel, an evil chapel. There's an archway. There's a skeleton pointing towards the archway. If you go in the archway, it changes your alignment and changes your gender. Yep. Ask Rodney all about it. I... That created one of my favorite characters that I'd love to play again. Yeah, see. So, they they just, I don't know if it was like a political decision that they, they didn't want to like even go there or, or what. But nobody went through that damn arch. Nope. It, it would have been funny if the, the, if the apprentice monk had. I was thinking it'd be funny if the bard went through. Oh, yeah. That would have changed up the entire dynamic there. That would have been kind of cool, too. Yeah. Or if, or if um, Carrion went through. But, you know, he's the main character. He ain't going through. Yeah, I was but, beginning yeah, to I, wonder that, who that was would. A missed opportunity. That was I, a missed opportunity. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree that uh, playing through. I, I guess, you know, glossing over that room is probably... Yeah, I, I you know, 
I kind of see the thinking. So if it, it's not going to be a major character because we can't fuck with the major characters, right? Right. You can't you can't kill them to the until the end, right? Or until right. you know plot they're needed plot wise. Mm-hmm. So you can't fuck with them. And honestly, if if Jimbo the camel driver goes through and and becomes, you know, Lynette. Right. Nobody's going to care. And now Lynette is is slightly uh, is evil, but you know what is an evil camel driver who gives a shit? Right. What are they going to rip you off the next time? You know, you hire them. No, you kill them off in the next room. You let them slide so, into the lava. Yeah, they didn't do the lava either. Nope. They basically so, went yeah. through a, like a, a walkthrough of you know watch watch any like tomb of horror discussion video about the module and they just walked through all the high points that would yeah, be discussed. I was going to say it's it's like you don't want to watch the entire opera so you just like listen to the arias. Right. And that's pretty much how 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 this uh narrative version of the Tomb of Horrors went. Um I was also uh disappointed in the climax of of it as you know they and they got off easy yeah they did get off easy they did they got off real easy um the 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 party themselves are were a little genre savvy i think i mean these these guys made all the best decisions right they they certainly did and they had now had I, had I been dungeon mastering this, right? Mm-hmm. I'll, it's fine up until the, the final room when you, you know you, you get a Serac. And it's even cool that they had um, spoiler alert happen, so a Serac um, was activated because in, in the dungeon, you know, if you ignore the the skull, nothing happens. You have to actually do something, right? Right. I'm cool with that. A Sarah, think about a Sarak and who a Sarak was and what he was. He was a zillion year old dead wizard mm-hmm. who not only was a what was beyond being a lich. He's right. a demi lich. He doesn't even have a he doesn't need a phylactery. He doesn't have a corporeal body. He's like his soul is just you know zooming around, and every once in a while, an idiot comes and and musses up his tomb and he gets to eat their soul. Right. He's like the D and D equivalent of like uh Dormammu or something at this point. Right. So why would he just attack the good guys? I mean, it's not like evil bands together. Well, right. I mean, even in this throughout the entire book, you would have like little snippets of what the bad guys are doing. Mm-hmm. And they were always like plotting against each other and scheming. And you know, well, when I when I get my thing, all these people are gonna pay. I'll show them, right? And they're playing each other off against each other, and they're they're ruled by fear. And why would a Sarak like team up with them? I why wouldn't he just be like, oh, there's there's a ton of people here. I'm gonna eat for a week. Right. I just go to town on everyone. Exactly, exactly. I mean that, that, Yeah, our, our our evil party is constantly like, you just wait till your back is turned, Megatron. Yes. <laughs> yes. Try your worst, uh, Starscream. Because oh, if you're gonna have a world where evil can't band together enough to work together well, they have to be run run through fear and blah blah blah. Why would the Basically, the the D and D equivalent of a of an elder god, right? Like Cthulhu or Haster or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Why would he care if you're on the good aligned or the evil aligned? Why would they? Care? Yeah, that's that 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 was kind of like, um, ooh, you know why why wouldn't he do that? Is now if 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 a Sarak 
for some reason had been in contact with the evil cleric's god and the gods are quite active in this to an extent uh, yes but the evil cleric's god was imprisoned and bound mm-hmm. um, and could not act right and 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 could and really could only really communicate through signs right right Signs and importance and feelings and things like this. You could feel the god's power at work, but unlike uh, Heronius, um, did not take an active role. Right. So, and and I honestly don't think that Sarah gave a flying fuck about any of that shit. I think Sarah cared only for one thing, and that was a Sarah. Right. And, you know, I was kind of hoping for a scene where, you know, Durgoth encounters a Sararak and he's like, you're going to you're going to help me release my deity into the world to, to destroy the world. And a Sararak's like, um, then what am I supposed no. to fucking eat? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. <laughs> what am I supposed to eat, bitch? I know. Yeah. I'll start with you. So I think I think that that climax was uh, just a drop ball all around. The actual in the Tomb of Horrors, it was cool to see all those things happen, even though they happened to people who didn't matter. Which does take a little bit of a, of the punch out of the Tomb of Horrors because you know. Mm-hmm. What kind of story is it? Like, yeah, I remember when we played the Tomb of Horrors, and God, man, my fu- the fucking uh, the guard that I re- that you know I used to like have a ale with around the campfire. Yeah, he bit it from a giant skeleton, and oh yeah, 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 the uh, teamster. Oh yeah, well he and and three of his guys got got turned into women, um, and ran off cackling evilly. Press wow, yeah. Press F in the <laughs> chat for uh, Teamster number three. <laughs> right. So who? I, that's not a, a tale worthy of telling. But Snart, you know, going ah fuck it, and going into the into the um, archway. the archway and coming out and being like the vamp that <laughs> that they became. That's interesting. That's worth recounting. That's something you're going to remember forever. You know, and just like just from a uh, you had an opportunity to create like the ultimate Tomb of Horrors war story. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, For those who haven't listened, Snart Snart was the rogue with the heart of gold archetype, uh, went through the arch, came out as a supervillain. Hello, darlings. So. You just, you don't have, it's just a, a missed opportunity. It was like a nice little travelogue of the Tomb of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it wasn't like, it, it could have been like, it could have been you read this and go, wow, I want to fucking run that. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. You know, that sounds really cool. I mean, because like, it is a cool dungeon. I don't care what anybody says. It's a cool dungeon. It's it's fun. It's, you know, yeah, it's a meat grinder, but you, if you go into it knowing it's a meat grinder, it's fun, right? Mm-hmm. If Absolutely. You go into, if you go into going, I'm going to conquer the Tomb of Horrors, you're going to have a horrible time. Well, I mean, you know, that's kind of like the whole purpose of the Tomb of Horrors. I'm going to go conquer the Tomb of Horrors, uh, which was the attitude of the characters in this book. Um, I did notice that they did not do that uh, one string of rooms where it's a 10 by 10 room Yeah, they that opens of, into a 30 they, foot long hallway that opens into a 10 of, by Yeah, they glossed over that one. That one kind of like yes. happened because if I recall correctly, that's also the sequence of rooms with the secret door and the pit trap. Yeah. It's the one where, well, that's the one with the globes and the doors. And if you open the wrong door, you get, there's a spare comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember yeah. that room, but uh, there was the the one, uh, it was a series of the same room over and over like t- five, ten times. Yeah. Yeah. It it's, to, it's, I think that led to just, the fire pit. 
yeah, there was just different um, 10 by 10 rooms that were just secret doors. And it just led you through a, a series of secret doors mm-hmm. that got, once you got through all that, that got you into the main, the second half of the, the second third of the dungeon. Right. But I always think of it in, oh no, that got you to the, um, to the, the chapel. Mm-hmm. I got you to the chapel, which is really the end of the first part. Right. right. So I always broke the Tomb of Horrors up into three sections. You have like the opening section, which is the Sphere of Annihilation, the hallway, gargoyle, that room, and the and the temple. Right. Mm-hmm. And the second half is um, hallways with pit traps. You have the fire ramp. Um, you have like the the sirens. I think the false lich. Um, it's a lot, it's a lot of hallways and navigating through hallways. And the third part are like the pillars, um, and you know, the The adamantine door, right. The door that bleeds, Mm -hmm. uh, the door with the stat, the room with the statues with the, and then finally a Sarax resting place. Right. Right. And the, and the true treasure hoard. Right. There's a false treasure. There's a false tomb, a false treasure hoard. And then a tr- the true tomb and right. then the true treasure hoard. Right. So, um, and yeah, I, I get, I get glossing over like rooms that really don't matter, mm-hmm. right? Um, that are that were like really designed to fuck with players, right? But I, I think that some of these these encounters. Uh, famous encounters should have just been deadly to to the party you know mm-hmm. they, they they really they breezed through the tomb of horrors and just lost a bunch of henchmen right but yeah yeah um so short story long uh would you recommend this book um i'm on the fence um there's there's probably better um D D books out there, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Uh there's probably and there's definitely better fantasy literature out there. Um I guess if you if you if you've run it or gone through it and are familiar with the Tomb of Horrors, I would say give it a kind of a go um just for the nostalgia of it, but it's not like gonna wow you. Because, like I said, it's kind of a flat run through of the Tomb of Horrors. Now, what if you were a, a GM preparing to run the Tomb of Horrors? Would you, uh, since um, since it does the third act does have the right and proper solutions to riddles, uh, it would be a. I, I think it might be a, at least a third act up until the climactic point would be an interesting way. Uh, things to add to your GM notes. Yeah, but all that stuff is spelled out in the module itself. I mean, the right. module's written like, you know, it's it's it doesn't leave anything up to the imagination. It's right, it's, right. You know, it's Gary Gygax. It's this is this is how you get through it. Right. Uh, it's my my way or you're fucked. True. True. So. Um, there's there's not there's there's no like oh a really clever way to get around this there, mm-hmm. it, it's you know take a ten foot pole and make and hit every fucking thing in the room. Yep, yep. I loved how that was actually a plot point. Yes, the ten foot pole. And 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 that's that's how you get through the tomb of horrors, and so yeah, I I, I don't know, I just. Give the give the um the module another run through. If you have the time, you might mm-hmm. as well just familiarize familiarize yourself more with the actual module than right. than read this. Right. Um. Yeah. I would say I would say my recommendation is also mixed. Uh. If you're looking for a little bit of Greyhawk nostalgia, uh. Yeah. If you're looking for something that uh might take you a couple of days of good hard reading to get through. And you know, it's not hard to, reading. It, no, it's not. <laughs> but 
It's it's 190 something pages, 95 pages, something like that. Um, and you know, it's something if you if you sit down and like crack into it, you're you're two days easy. You know, it's not yeah, like it's not, it's not like Wheel of Time or something like that. It's going to occupy the rest of your life. No, I would say that you probably would have a better time reading this than Wheel of Time. <laughs> yeah. I would say I would say if you do pick it up and you do like it, I, I would I would imagine it would go on kind of the guilty pleasure uh, fantasy reading list. You know? And that's the other thing. Like if if you really like fantasy, if like that's what you, that's your jam, and you like mm-hmm. reading fantasy novels, and like you just indiscriminately read fantasy novels, then yeah, pick it up because it's you know it's not a bad fantasy novel, right? And if you really like D and D. Yeah, that's true. You know, pick it um, up. But just in terms of, you know, is it is it a novel com- that com- comparatively is good to other works that are similar? Eh, it just it doesn't do the job it set off to it set out to do. Right. I don't right. think. Now. <clears throat> With that said, let's have let's have one final thought. Uh, Tomb of Horrors by Gene Wolfe. Right, you see, like if Gene Wolfe had written Tomb of Horrors, yeah, if Gene Wolfe had written this novel based on the Tomb of Horrors, could could an, an accomplished and better writer have done this same story? Um, better. All right. Well, I don't think Gene Wolfe would have touch this okay <laughs> because it hasn't i don't think it has anything appealing to him it doesn't have any of the themes that he that he works with right right it's a really a big, is there a big mystery no everything's pretty like much out in the open but okay but i see what you're saying if like if a of a talented off more talented uh, author i mean you know uh, the, the okay. author of this book is talented enough to have pulled off what they pulled off Okay, you're right. You're right. I couldn't do it, so I have I have no leg to stand on. All right. So if 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 uh like let's say Neil Gaiman for shits and giggles, I could see Neil Gaiman writing something like or or trying to do this, right? Mm-hmm. It seems more like in his wheelhouse. Do I think? Yeah, I think he could have. I think. Honestly, my biggest complaint is that the, the there's an illusion of risk instead of actual risk. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And, you know, not the NPCs aren't people too and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm not invested in any of those characters where I'm semi-invested in Carrion, Galadar, and Melandra, and you know, all these other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were really, until, until, you know, they fridged Melandra. Right. Um, you know, nobody was really taking any hits. Nope. Well, well, uh, carry on was, uh, he was getting fucked up on the regular. Yeah, but, but you know, it's also world of instantaneous healing magic. Yeah, it just—it didn't seem like there was anything um, in the balance. There just there were no real consequences. Right, right. When when you're when you know when a guard, an unnamed guard, dies and somebody yells, "Oh, Gary!" That doesn't really count. No, I feel really bad that uh, he was married and had a dog. Yeah. So yeah, no players that were. What was his name again? <laughs> had any were in any danger? So that that's like really that's honestly my biggest complaint about it was that that there was no risk. So mm-hmm. I think. Um, uh, a writer who, all right, let's say if George R. R. Martin wrote this thing, 
because we know that George R. R. Martin does not care if a main character dies. Yeah. At any given point. Right. It would have been right? just it would just been Carry on and Garwin reaching the final room. <laughs> <laughs> and having to fight like all the bad guys and a Sarah and one of the two of them would have died and one of them would have barely escaped uh, with their lives to go off and sulk forevermore at the northern right. wall. Yes, I think that you could have. Um, I think, yeah, it could have been done better. Mm-hmm. So, yes. OK, there you go. All right, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Tomb of Horrors, the novel. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Kind of a kind of a mixed bag, if you will, a mixed bag of holding. Yes, but like you mentioned in the beginning, if you ran this as a Call of Cthulhu adventure, specifically Pulp Cthulhu. You would have to keep 30 luck points. Yes, you would. 